1: Welcome to episode 25 of the Build My Online Store podcast. I'm your host, Terry. And this week, I've got a really cool business, Diamond Candles, on the show. And they sell scented candles with a ring inside that could be worth... Uh, at least $10, $100, up to $1,000 or even $5,000. And they had over a million dollars in revenues the first year and they have over 200,000 fans on their Facebook page. So we'll talk about how they built that business and what's the most important element in finding a viral idea just like theirs. And before we start, if you're looking for that idea, we do have our first online event this Tuesday on December the 18th, 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, It'll be me and Andrew from episode 14 at eCommerce Fuel, where we're going to go over some tips on finding your first idea to get started. So go to buildmyonlinestore.tv to register. It'll be free and it'll be great fun. Uh, It should last about an hour. We'll have probably a 15-minute presentation, and then we'll spend the rest of the time with some Q&A to help you find your idea. And so before we start, we also have another iTunes review, this time coming from the iTunes Australia store. So it turns out, since I've been logged in the U.S. iTunes store, I've been missing out on some reviews that are coming from Canada, uh, Australia, and all over the world. So this week comes from David. Very practical, great insights, very thorough and frank interviews with e-commerce operations, which are active at the front lines of managing effective online stores. Excellent content and highly applicable. Terry is a very good host and interviewer who is clearly knowledgeable and asks all the right questions, but doesn't overshadow his guests. Great work. I really appreciate the series. Keep it up. All right, well, thanks so much, David. And with that being said, let's get into this week's show. All right, today I've got Justin Winter from Diamond Candles where he's gonna talk about how he built the business with three partners to where it is today. And Diamond Candles did over 1 million in revenues the first year and has amassed over 200,000 fans on their Facebook page, which has been integral to their sales force. So let's get into it. What's up, Justin?
0: Hey, Terry, how are you doing? Hey, how's it going?
1: Well, let's just get started then. So kind of what was the idea and how did the whole business get started? With
0: the business, my my partner, David, he had actually come up with the idea uh, a long time ago. Um, and actually we have a, if you go to diamondcandles.com, they're on the homepage currently. Um, we have a little kind of 90 second about us kind of story video that we put together a while back that kind of gives it um, you know uh, some color there. But uh, more or less, David had come up with this idea looking to get a um, uh, anniversary gift uh, for his wife, Brenda, who's uh, also um, one of the co-founders here um, at Time of Candles. And Brenda loved candles and he had gotten her a ring. And this was kind of short, just a few years after they were married and were on the up and up and, you know, working hard and just young lovers. Um, and uh, he couldn't find something to, you know, a case to uh, put this ring in that he had got. And he had, you know, was kind of holding the candle you know, in the checkout line. And then you know, had kind of gotten this ring. And he's like, hey, you know, wouldn't it be kind of fun, you know, kind of like a, a Cracker Jack box type concept if I could kind of stick this in there, and she could burn it down because you know she loves scandals and obviously she's going to love a ring, and they'd just be kind of like a fun surprise. So from there, he really didn't do anything with it. They've been in the construction industry kind of uh, ever since then, and you know here in the Durham, North Carolina area where we're located, uh, when they're here a few years back, when the you know the economy you know kind of took a hit, and particularly the construction market you know hit that um, you know pretty hard, and you know, this idea kind of kept haunting them and and he just decided hey you know we just we got to try this and initially presented the idea to me i thought he was a little crazy to be honest <laughs> you know that's a fun idea you know but he was he was super excited about it kind of uh, got bit by the bug with his enthusiasm and we decided to, to test it kind of the concept and we did and um you know things kind of took off from there and here we are
1: and were you in construction before then too or how did you guys know each
0: other yeah i, I definitely don't have a construction background you know my background is more um kind of direct selling direct selling industry and then worked at a um a startup here in the area technology startup kind of always had uh, on the side done some web design marketing uh, consulting tech services for some small businesses and very much uh, loved tech and you know, kind of following that scene and enjoying that and kind of the internet marketing end of things. And my uh, more formal education is, is in marketing. So that's kind of my background. And yeah, so it was really just kind of a, a random set of circumstances that, that brought us together. And my internet experience in, in doing that and with, uh, you know, the product genius and David and Brenda's operational experience in, in the construction industry, it was kind of just this this perfect match. So it just kind of worked from day one.
1: Yeah. So it sounded like you guys really complement each other well, where you bring like kind of like the online side and he brings the idea and kind of the operation. Yeah. And, and, and David and
0: Brenda, who who both work are full-time in the business as well. Yeah. They're definitely, um, uh, you know, a great pair across the three of us. It's a great kind of balance. Everyone's kind of got their thing that, you know, they specialize in and it's just been a great balance. So it's been a huge kind of asset for us, you know, kind of looking back and maybe we, we planned that so much from day one, but looking back, it really, you know, kind of set us up for success in a lot of different ways. Nice.
1: All right. So you guys decided you're going to make candles and you're going to put rings in it. Uh, how do you even start deciding to make candles? Where did you even learn how to make candles? Uh,
0: very, very much a learning process. So, um, you know, really from, from day one, I mean, we literally bought and I think there's for a quick second or two, you can see it in that 90 second video, but we had uh, bought a, a used stove off of Craigslist, like just like a stove. And, you know, we, we had like these pots, these melting pots, and we'd put it on top of this electric stove that we plugged in. Really, I mean, we, we just did a lot of self-learning, you know, just looked at a lot of resources out there about, you know, candle making. We spent several months really kind of perfecting kind of our Proprietary kind of combination of you know wax, fragrance, and color, and everything, and, and kind of uh, becoming experts very quickly in that. So you know we just just did a lot as rapidly as we could, and because of, of a particular product, it's not something you know we had to make in huge batches. It's something we could do in small batches and kind of figure out, and then scale as as we figured things out.
1: And manufacturing is a very like process oriented. So out of like the first ten candles you made. Like, what was that process like of figuring it out as you were scaling?
0: Yeah, yeah, no, no, definitely. Yeah, it was extremely uh, iterative with things. So there's first batches where, you know, literally like maybe five candles of a particular fragrance and then you know we test that out and then we try a different combination you know like you know, apple slice was one of our initial fragrances by the time we, we kind of finished between you know color and fragrance and optimizing things you know we'd have 20 or 30 different variations kind of optimized for fragrance throw burn time and things like that maximizing burn time and you know kind of the strength of the fragrance and how it permeates the room you know how does it look you know that type of thing so you know it's something we, you know we'd start in, in those small batches for for testing and then initially you know when we just had the one gallon two gallon little pot at first we just uh, you know did a lot of those Um, and it was very very small scale but then we kind of gradually started you know buying uh, larger pots to melt things with and eventually moved up to more of an industrial size type uh, you know wax melter and uh, you know slowly adding on you know uh, doing things less manually having you know some equipment here and there that helps you know helps things so it's very very much a hands-on process and that's things uh, we kind of kind of pride ourselves in you know we um, you know been fortunate to you know have a a lot of people in in manufacturing here who are very skilled at what they do so it's it's a good balance between kind of scaling and automation but Having a personal touch and making sure everything you know has a, kind of a strict kind of quality control process with things.
1: I see. And when you say uh, you know it's kind of automated, are like the big box candles made basically with all machines, and you guys can have add like a manual touch to it, or kind of what's the difference? Uh, yeah, no fair question.
0: Um, the candle industry as a whole, industry statistics point to about seventy percent of candles sold in the U.S. are actually still produced domestically, and about uh, twenty to thirty percent. And, and don't quote me on that, but that, that's the rough numbers. Um, 20 to 30% or so, I believe. Are, um, are produced internationally, and part of that is kind of relative to the the cost of the product, relative to the weight, is very high. Our laptops are made in China, um, but you know this—they you know, weigh three pounds, but they cost a thousand bucks, type thing. Well, uh, you know, if you're making a large candle; it's going to be three pounds, um, and it's twenty-five dollars. It kind of works out, and you know, and we'd prefer to I think have it here locally um, as well, and and I think you know m- most people would prefer to have things made domestically, particularly for for something like this. So for what we're doing, things it's worked out really well on that end we've had in, in terms of automation uh, a lot of the the big player a certain level of automation that, that's going to be there in terms of you know assembly lines and things like that that can handle things um, you really just kind of your um your huge guys uh, are going to have kind of these completely automated thumbs and kind of more of a millions of dollars worth of equipment that type of thing and then you know yeah you can have more of your mid-tier guys which have a certain level of, of automation but still have a lot of kind of hands-on uh, touches with things, so it's kind of split. And, and then certainly, there's there's smaller, um, you know, producers who you know, are very much kind of by hand, and you know, kind of there's a you know premium high end of the industry that go more that direction. And then you know, we're we're I think trying to strike a balance. Our customer base is the American mom, so you know we're definitely uh, very much mass market, um, and we think we you know we appeal to the majority of the market. But you know we want to still you know, kind of maintain. Um, obviously, you know, efficiencies with things, but have a very personal touch with things and, and make sure things, you know, have strict quality controls. And, you know, one of the ways we can do that is by ha- having a balance with things more.
1: Or yeah, and that really allows you to say that because if you just went like the mass producer model, you'd just be another commoditized candle company, right? Yeah,
0: exactly. And, you know, that's, and that's certainly not our value proposition. I would never want to get into a game of commodities. Look at the commodities um, and how can we basically do everything completely opposite of how they're doing it. Very much where, you know, we try to differentiate at every single point possible and in terms of product design and certainly a yeah, product experience and and things of that so being kind of I, you know, vertically integrated. You know, a vertically integrated online retailer. You know, we're not just you know drop shipping and other brands' products. We actually manufacture these, and you know, currently we only sell them online. We're able to kind of have full control and offer a unique product, um, and obviously we we have exclusivity of that product because you know we're the brand. So it puts us in a, in a great in a great position from a marketing perspective on the front end in terms of customer acquisition and, and kind of the branding and acquiring customers and, and and all
1: that. Yeah, and on the back end, you get the whole margins within your operations, where you can really tweak it here and there instead of you know where you're drop shipping you're kind of at the mercy of your supplier too
0: 100 percent right I, I think we're going to be seeing a lot and i think currently we can see a lot of you know, brands doing this, but, you know, just because the barriers to entry for e-commerce are so low and, you know, the cost to acquire customers because of, you know, networks like, you know, Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest and things like that, your, you know, cost to acquire a customer, if you have really a truly unique product that people are more inclined to talk about, then in, in some senses, there really is no reason to go through kind of your, tradition, you know, more traditional brick and mortar kind of retail distribution strategy. And just because they're gonna be taking such huge margins on things. So if, if we made a hundred dollar product, generally speaking, you know, a retailer, they're going to be taking 50% of that for kind of like a, you know, consumable or kind of like a home goods type thing. So it's like, hey, you know, if I can reach that customer instead of, you know, let's say, you know, your margin was you know, 25% on that, you know, it's sold through Target or, you know, gift shop. Hey, I'm gonna make $25 at the end of the day. But hey, if I can go right to the customer, well, I have $75 there. And how much would it cost to acquire a customer for that transaction, you know, with online marketing, whether that's traditional pay-per-click stuff or paid acquisition channels, or it's more social um, channels, you know, uh, content marketing and things like that you just have a lot of margin to work with so it just puts you i think in most cases uh, and certainly depending on the industry in a better position if you can utilize kind of those acquisition channels and marketing channels effectively it's going to be just better overall in a lot of ways if you're looking to become a brand and kind of have your own, own product line online
1: yeah and it's certainly how it's easy to start like you guys are on shopify you can just start a store in like a day right and it's funny how Like that part's become easy now since the past 10 years, but actually finding a good product that, you know, has a good value proposition that'll sell well, that's unique is like, Almost, is the hard part now.
0: Yeah, no, and actually, um, just a few days ago here, I was talking with someone from Google who kind of uh, works kind of in, in their partnerships uh, and development kind of area, and, and he talks a lot with you know, e-commerce companies and sees kind of a lot of what's happening out there. And my conversation with him was was basically, and, and uh, he had had a background in e-commerce uh, with more of your traditional kind of enterprise level e-commerce platforms uh, before his time at Google. And you know, the conversation was in, in the same way that content online. So you know, with the advent of blogging, right? You know, the Barrier to entry for someone to get content out there uh, became basically zero it was, it was just a time investment and you know anyone could create a blog and you know what that did to the industry where just kind of as a whole you know before that you know, you had to be a writer at a newspaper or have a book or, you know, some type of national platform. So the barrier to entry to get a message out there was so extremely high. But with the advent of blogging, you know, it really became an even playing field so that, you know, with kind of that lower barrier to entry, it made way for a more efficient market in terms of the quality content. So really the best quality content has the ability to rise to the top in a way that was never possible before. I think the analogy holds true for, for e-commerce with, you know, platforms like Shopify, which is uh, is great for this. Um, you know, if you're a first time entrepreneur, I mean, it's, it's a no-brainer with those guys. You can be up and, and running a PayPal account, product images, uh, and a logo. If you time someone, you could probably do it an hour. So with kind of that low barrier to entry, I think it's end result It's going to be better for the consumers because, you know, you're not limited with your product selection. To latest Procter and Gamble portfolio companies is, is putting out, so it's it really is an exciting time I think in, in e-commerce, and certainly as you said, now the challenge is it's not getting the word out there. It's how can we create a unique, fun, exciting, uh, helpful product that's going to really be a differ- differentiator for my market. Um, then really after that, um, you know, distribution, um, it's it's not really a puzzle anymore.
1: All right, so let's just kind of before we go on two different tangents about uh, e-commerce. <laughs> So so you guys put each ring yeah. In every candle, right? it's kind of like a silver box. When you're a little kid, you have a toy in the end and you can just open it in the end. right? I used to like just buy a silver box, turn it around and then get the toy first. And you can't do that with these candles.
0: Right? <laughs> uh, some people do. Um, some people get get very excited and lovingly referred to as diggers. If you go to our Facebook page, um, which is extremely active, you can see people uploading um, ring reveal photos um, and people who've, you know, both kind of self-admit to, hey, I'm a digger, I can't wait. You know, you know I burned it for, you know, 30 minutes i couldn't wait and then i dug it out with a spoon right so people definitely do that and you know fortunately with the wax we use uh, it doesn't really ruin the candle as long as you, you know, don't go, don't get too aggressive with it
1: so they actually dig it with a spoon see because as a guy i would just think i'll just throw it on a roof and then i'll just pick up the ring after the glass breaks
0: there, yeah, kind of a glass break emergency thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. All
1: right. So how many uh, candles did you guys start out with at first?
0: Um, yeah, in terms of uh, kind of SKUs, we we started out with just five. And I think one of the things we did, which was a huge advantage and you know, looking back, you know, super thankful we did it. If you look at most uh, candle retailers, whether it's online or even just go to a Hallmark store or a gift shop or just, you know, supermarket or something look at their selection of candles, The kind of the norm is extremely wide range of product SKUs and freight. And I think it makes sense probably, you know, at a point, but kind of what we found was our conversion rates, you know, not not including what we looked at in terms of, you know, adding things to the website as months went on. They really didn't change between when we had five products and when we had 15. There's going to be a value there for lifetime customer value and repeat purchasing that, you know, if you just have five you know, skews for our industry. You know, you're going to be limiting yourself. But a simple um, selection of choices wasn't overwhelming. You know, the five it, it really worked out well. And then from there, we went on a course of about every two to three months, we'd come out with uh, another five new fragrances and kind of went on that schedule um, and, and definitely be seasonal. So, you know, spring and be you know spring related fragrances. You know, the holidays. You know, it'd be you know Christmas tree and, and things like that.
1: And I know on your website, you guys had like a voting system where. Uh, fans could choose what flavors, right?
0: Yeah, that that has been a a huge thing for us in terms of kind of product development. And we actually got nominated for called a a, a Spike Award. Uh, It was a social media innovation award and ended up winning in the CPG category and beating out vitamin water. It was just kind of crazy, but uh, it was was very exciting though. So we used uh, uservoice.com for that and they're, Um, more traditionally used for, you know, uh, customer service and and kind of feature voting tool for like SaaS companies and things like that. At the end of the day, we really wanted to figure out, okay, what is what does our market want? You know, what's the best way at scale to um, collect that information and kind of curate that? So we can kind of have an ongoing system that's collecting that information. And when it's time for new products, we can look at that and say, Hey, this is what people are saying they want most. Let's just make that. Let's just make what people want. So it became a natural extension for what we were hearing already that people were suggesting, hey, you should make this. You should make this. And then our response back after we got that set up was suggest that um, if it's not already suggested and, you know, vote on it if it's already there. Push it out to Facebook, Twitter and get your friends to vote on it. And whatever has the most votes, there's a good chance we're going to make it. So it's, it's worked really well.
1: That's awesome. So they're basically doing your product development for you, you know, every few months.
0: Yeah, yeah. no, it, it's great. And, you know, we don't, you know, just de facto, you know, top five, whatever they say, uh, you know, whatever our customers say, do it. But you know, I'd say on average, probably um, when we were on a, on a five new fragrances every three months or so, you know, at least two, if not three of those 5 were just straight off of what the, you know, the top fragrances were that that people had suggested. So it was, you know, definitely a huge part of percentage or decision-making process for kind of what we're going to come out with.
1: Yeah, And I'm sure you have to look back and see, you know, get all the fragrances, all the manufacturing and all the wax and coloring, all that stuff too, right?
0: Yeah. And, and certainly, you know, we want to make sure kind of all our bases are covered in terms of what people are looking for with different type fragrances, kind of fragrance families with food-related fragrances, um, more earthy kind of natural-related, you know, fragrances and things like that. So just kind of filling out the profile of each of these categories, making sure we have two, three, four options in each of those categories. So we're kind of well-rounded in that sense.
1: And so it's funny that, you know, they have all these suggestions because like maybe like say Apple Spring for Jane might mean a little different from like, Jennifer, who lives in a different state, right? So how did you guys figure out the balance of what to make it actually smell like in the end?
0: Yeah, no, no, that, that's a great question. And one of the things we found, pecan pie, for example, you know, we found that, you know, uh, maybe more of a an, an East Coast, Southern thing. Like, you know, some people, they love uh, pecan pie. They have it for, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas. It's kind of this holiday thing. But there's other people that are like, you know, what the heck's is pecan pie? Like, that sounds right. And then maybe they're, they're West Coast or maybe what little, you know, Uh, up north that type of thing so fragrance is highly subjective and you know and even just person to person you know the exact same smell or or, you know one person could love it one person could hate it um which in many ways you know that's just kind of how it is because someone someone's gonna love cupcake um another person's just gonna hate cupcake because it reminds them of you know something or they just you know they don't want their house smelling like cupcake or their kitchen that type of thing from those suggestions and kind of choosing the fragrances we want you know we go through a, a pretty extensive process with our our fragrance supplier in terms of testing variations of that fragrance, running that through some tests and kind of some studies with, with people locally and figuring out, okay, what, what is appealing to the You know, the majority of people in terms of actually kind of smelling these variations and, and kind of, Just kind of taking some liberty there in choosing those, and then, and even even over time, based on customer feedback, we would actually change uh, our fragrance recipe a little bit. You know, if we're getting a lot of feedback that lemon lemon lavender, for example, is a whole lot of lemon and like no lavender, uh, you know, we would use. Kind of work through. Okay, let's see if we can kind of tweak this a little bit and kind of meet with customers' expectations as to what they're going to be purchasing here and make it a quality kind of balance of what we're you know proposing is you know this is this is going to smell like.
1: You mentioned earlier that your typical customer was the American mom, and how did you kind of identify this uh, segment starting up?
0: Yeah, yeah, and um, you know, and, and probably even even more broadly, you know, we're really just um, you know twenty to sixty year old females. Um,
1: Yeah, (laughs) I saw on the YouTube channel, it's basically females, you know, kind of that are really into kind of a little bit, you know, looking nice and enjoy things in life and they just like collecting candles, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so very much, um, and, 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 you know, certainly there's men that fall into this category, but, but primarily, you know, kind of that age range of females, um, you know, they're going to be the primary purchasers when it comes to, you know, decor and, and atmosphere related purchases for the home. There's a practical utility, maybe their husband's coming home from, you know, the gym or something. And, you know, he sunk up the, the you know, the bathroom. You know, whatever. So, so they need something to fix that. There, there's kind of that very kind of logical, like I need to solve this problem at end of it. But there's also a very kind of emotional. You know, I'm having friends over, a dinner guests or something, or a friend. Hey, I want to like this to set this atmosphere to make things feel homey. So, um, there, there's definitely a, a range with kind of the younger. Uh, you know, uh, single female uh, girls that just, you know, they love the fun, the excitement of it. And, you know, they want their house to smell great or, you know, their apartment and whatnot. And then, you know, you you have the moms who, um, with kids and everything, it's a very relaxing thing. It's kind of a, a practical luxury that fills a purpose, but it's also a little bit of a treat for people kind of in the middle of their crazy week.
1: Yeah, and then they get a ring in the end that's different from any other candle they would buy too.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, day one, we really wanted to make a quality candle that on its own would be strong enough to to stand up in the market so you know we did a lot of product development around you know how can we make the best eco-friendly candle possible and then almost in some senses forget about the ring you know we don't, we don't want to just be hey we you know we have a ring and a candle um, because that's really a long-term business you know that, that's a great one-off gift right you know if we're really going to become part of our, our customers lives and really build a brand and we need to have a quality product that is at least as good as if not better than uh, every other option that the majority of our customers are going to be familiar with it's definitely been been a huge component to our success you know that that excitement of the rain kind of value proposition and kind of that fun and that differentiator you know after that's all said and done we just make really good candles so it's uh, really been a great combination
1: yeah and it's funny because the ring could be worth i think five dollars to five thousand right it's almost like you're you're winning like the lottery too when you buy a candle.
0: Yeah, the, yeah, the value. So um, the rings have at least uh, a $10 level uh, ring inside. It could be worth up to 100 a 1000 or $5,000. So you know, everyone knows that they're going to at least be getting a ring that's worth kind of a $10 retail value. That your average female might expect to pay for kind of like a costume jewelry piece at a department store, things like that, and in quality enough that, for example, my my wife, uh, when she's you know getting ready and we're, you know, we're going out on a Friday night, you know, uh, date night. My wife, uh, you know, maybe she's wearing an outfit where yellow is an accent color, and she's wearing a scarf with it or some you know yellow top or something. When she's accessorizing, right, she wants to have a complimentary you know necklace, uh, earrings, you know, jewelry. So kind of the test is it has to meet that threshold for David and Brenda, my partner. Brenda would wear it out. It'd be good enough to wear. You know, she would wear it all the time because if you know the quality's not there in the ring either, then it's not going to be uh, very sustainable as well. So it's a lot of fun and it's very exciting for people. Kind of you know, that surprise and that anticipation, and that's what you know been able to use to you know continue to drive things.
1: Yeah, because on YouTube, that's all the videos I see when I search for diamond candles. It's people, you know, opening the ring and finding out
0: what it's what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty early on. So, you know, we kind of had this idea, hey, this is going to be fun. Like this is going to be, you know, we're going to make a really good quality product. But, you know, how do we get the word out there? And, and YouTube has, has been great for us because uh, what we figured out very early on, and, and we've done a lot with Facebook at uh, day one. I mean, we, we almost literally like launched our business with Facebook. You know, we use that hugely as a customer feedback tool to kind of be on the front line of what are people saying? What are the things that really matter most to people? And we we found out it, it wasn't necessarily the hey i get a ring and now i have this ring that i can wear or even necessarily hey it's this great quality candle product right because you know there's lots of options for quality candles out there it's not like we're the only person that makes a candle that has kind of this minimum level of quality you know many of the options people have out there aren't aren't very quality and it's hard to find that but the real the thing that people really get excited about and that they enjoy is the experience of the anticipation the excitement and the fun so when we realized that was kind of in many ways the strongest value proposition that would kind of break through the clutter of our industry. We said, okay, how can we capture that moment and use other people's testimonials and experiences to magnify that to their social graph? um you know to their friends on facebook uh, on twitter pinterest on youtube how can we capture that experience and kind of magnify that so you know youtube was great early on you know we not really doing anything actively with youtube for a while we said you know hey like it makes sense to do this there's all these people doing product reviews for makeup and you know these unboxing videos we said hey this this would totally make sense so we you know we did a few contests kind of pushing people that direction to kind of incentivizing people to uh, you know make some videos and you know Send us the link and we'll give you, you know, a discount code and a free candle and, you know, very, very small. But, but what we saw was, you know, once that got out there and people started seeing it, they kind of expected that, hey, Diamond Candles, especially people who frequently do things with YouTube, that, hey, this is just kind of a norm. Like, you know, you get a candle, you share the experience with others. So it's really after that initial kind of push, um, just because the fit is just so well. Um, It just fits so well. It's just become this organic thing where, um, you know, every week there's more and more videos popping up on YouTube. So it's like this ever populating kind of testimonial stream that people enjoy doing, uh, which exposes more people to us. And then it's just a great thing in terms of marketing for us. You know, on Facebook, we just got to post a link to YouTube and people sell us, you know, uh, for us. You know, we we don't have to tell people, hey, this is great or fun. It's just here, you know, so it's 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 done a lot.
1: Yeah, and so it's basically growing through organic word of mouth and YouTube and the massive social proof that it builds when people post a video saying, "Hey, I bought this." You know, it's fun. You should buy it too.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, and I think you know the the challenge for you know, retailers is how do you kind of get that ball ball rolling to where people are incentivized enough. To um just, just naturally or through, you know, maybe coupon codes to start out or free product or something, how do you get that ball rolling to where? like you can really take on a life of its own and um, I think that that's a hard part and and, you know we've been able to kind of figure out kind of that mix of the whole thing so it's really been a great revenue driver for us.
1: And so on your Facebook fan page you guys have I think as of now 200,000 fans and you know all these YouTube videos are you guys using any form of paid traffic or is it growing organically through YouTube and Facebook already?
0: Uh, Yes on both counts so up until really last three uh, three or four months We really didn't know uh, the paid acquisition at all. A huge part of our growth in doing a full million in revenue for our first 12 months in business, there there was no paid acquisition whatsoever. We just really focused on how can we work on, on our viral coefficient, right? So for every 10 customers that come in, how can we set up systems uh, you know, with email and refer a friend programs and things like that, that people just can't help but tell people about it on Facebook and other places. So that every 10 that come in, we have 11 that pop out on the other side. And then once you kind of break even, so it's, you know, every 10 that come in, you get nine that come, you know, you get nine that come back. You know, then once you hit that break even, you, you kind of have that sustainable automated kind of growth there. But then when you can over time increase that number, you know, it's just huge. So, you know, from the first 12 months in, um up until really just the last three or four months, we'd really just focused on on those and just kind of the organic growth of things. We've been able to kind of take a breath from just managing the ridiculous growth you know we've we've started doing some testing with with paid acquisition and and going down that route as well to add to kind of the marketing mix
1: mm-hmm. And so you mentioned the viral uh, coefficient what are some of the Real big leverage points that you've found to work well for your business. Um,
0: you know, I think at, at the end of the day, you know, kind of the systems and you know, where do we add this or how do we do this? You have to you have to be starting with a great product that you know it just really really resounds with the market and most preferably something that people are extremely inclined to talk about. You know, in terms of you know your target market, they just love talking about this product or this experience that you have. So I think the, the key is there in maximizing that. And you know, once that's done, from that point it, it's tools like you know a post purchase kind of refer a friend program you know so it's something like here's a, a free $5 coupon code to use to give to your friends And if someone ends up using this code, you know, we'll send you uh, your own code for five bucks to use for your next purchase and kind of optimizing that funnel, you know, making it very, very easy, low friction people to share to Facebook, to Twitter, you know, the email to be able to do that, you know, running split testing with that to continually optimize that. The, The ring reveal videos, the product photos, share pictures of your ring. We've made Facebook a destination for people. So oftentimes we'll hear people, you know, they come and check out, come to our Facebook page. Uh, once or twice a week just because they love to see the latest rings that are there you know we've kind of created that culture and and kind of that stickiness once we kind of figured out those formulas it's something that you know we just keep doing those things and you know it just kind of continues to scale so i think the the keys there are you know figuring out that fit and, and where that kind of works and then you know automating that continually kind of optimizing those funnels if need be kind of outsourcing that if any maintenance that's needed to an employee being able to handle off hand off those systems that type of thing
1: yeah i think you're right it's kind of like a pyramid where your product really needs to be strong and resonate on the bottom right otherwise you know no matter what you stack on top more marketing more paid advertising it's still going to collapse without a great product yeah 100 percent agree for sure exactly all right and so what do you think drives some customers to buy like 10 plus candles because i've seen the facebook photos yeah there's these pyramids of your candles <laughs> and, I, and they buy like 10 or 12 and i calculate it's like 600 700 dollars it's it's crazy.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, you would be surprised at yeah the number of people who've spent over a thousand dollars on on our candles um, since since we've started. So a few different reasons. So normally the customers kind of are you know our high our high volume kind of customers here, and you know it's certainly kind of an eighty twenty principle on that. That you know we have twenty percent of our most loyal customers who are purchasing you know very frequently um, on a continuing you know weekly and monthly basis for them. Uh, just like, you know, again, for our target market, both kind of the younger single woman, maybe out of college, you know, uh, very focused on career, who's just, you know, working a lot of hours every week, or that mom who's just got the, you know, just a crazy life with with kids and all that. In the same way that really either of those two customers might, you know, go get a manicure, you know, once a week as kind of a treat, a uh, treat for themselves, just release, and they kind of use kind of that pedicure money uh, to just- by irrationally, but you know, there's kind of that you know emotional benefits being able to relax and help them decompress. For a lot of our customers, you know that that's what we are. We've made this experience, uh, you know, this created this product experience that is very much a relaxing release. It's an exciting kind of highlight. So a lot of people they purchase, they purchase weekly, and throughout the week, you know, they have a candle burning every day. You know, be cycling in and out. You know, on Monday it'll be burning cupcake, on Tuesday it'll be apple slice, and they're always kind of changing it up, and they just really enjoy that and having that type of atmosphere. So. For a lot of our high-volume purchasers, it's it's that. A huge component of our business is, you know, candles already are a very, very socially acceptable gift in the United States. A lot of people, you know, they'll, they'll purchase for themselves. They love the experience. You know, they love the quality of the candle behind it. And this would be just such a great gift for a birthday or an anniversary or, you know, the holidays. So we find a lot of people who they'll, they'll knock out Christmas shopping for everyone on their list that's a female. kind of have the mix there.
1: Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that they burn candles to relax. I was doing a search on twitter you know just because of like hashtag candles and i think probably i came up on 10 results where there was just these girls that were you know just <laughs> relaxing in the bathtub with a candle and like a glass of wine
0: yeah yeah no and actually it's something you know you know your average uh guy might not pay as much attention to something like that but uh, uh really you, you'd uh, you'd be surprised terry uh, pick up a candle i'll have to send you one and you know next time it's like chill time you know and you're kind of decompressing from all you're interviewing all day long, right? <laughs> and then like, um, yeah, it's, it's surprising. It's nice and kind of have that fragrance and kind of the atmosphere in the lights. It's just, it's very, um, you know, cathartic in that sense. So yeah, it's definitely a huge kind of use case for people.
1: Definitely have one with a nice whiskey cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, there you go yeah exactly all right and so i saw you guys also you are pretty active on pinterest and so uh, and but all, all of your out of your pins i noticed probably like maybe 20 percent are actually related to your products like the other 80 percent are kind of just related indirectly like kind of why is that so
0: great question there and facebook we've spent a lot of time figuring that out in, in what works best and we're increasingly uh really just in the past or four months kind of devoting time to Pinterest as an emerging uh, channel and just place where our customer demographic hangs out. So we, we want to be there. I think what we've found works very, very well for us is and, and in the same ways uh, kind of with, with Facebook as well. You know, We want to be part of the community and part of the discussion. So we very much have a, a very personable customer service team, um, even with uh, some of the copy on our on our emails and on the website it's not corporate when we look at Facebook or you know Pinterest or whatever the channel is it's very much a, an expression of you know we look at our, our market and see hey you know this is the type of thing they're doing on Pinterest this is the type of content that people enjoy and they love sharing with people so in in the same way that we're a girlfriend of theirs from you know college back in the day and you know you're still kind of connected and you're sharing things you know similar interests we want to be you know that friend in a sense you know we We want to find cool stuff and share it with our friends. Being part of that everyday discussion, you know, it's not always kind of this this hard sell. And even with Pinterest as an example, with kind of their terms of service, you're actually not allowed to post kind of your own like product images and be kind of super spammy like that because that's kind of not the point. We do a lot on, on Facebook with posting that type of content where it's not even Diamond Candles related, but it's just things we find that is valuable to our audience just in a more general sense. Um, and then certainly on Pinterest, you know, whether that's home decor related stuff, food things, or stereotypical, like, you know, just posting pictures of cute puppies all day long, is kind of a cheap, uh, <laughs> so, you know, I definitely think there's a balance there. If, you know, you have a, a crappy product and you're just trying to, you know, if you're just posting pictures of cute puppies all day long. It's like, you know, really, you know, come up with something that's going to be helpful. But, but then on, on the other end, you know, you want to be part of the discussion and if, your entire target market, they, they love talking about cute puppies all day long. Like, you know, a picture of a cute puppy here and there, it's not gonna hurt anybody. So.
1: Yeah, and, and especially how mm-hmm. Pinterest is so female dominant. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. It makes sense to be on there. Yeah, 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 no, no, definitely, definitely.
1: Yeah, okay, and so on your Facebook page, you guys also have, I saw the Shopify widgets. Are those actually converting well? Because I, I get I get a lot of feedback where, you know, people aren't buying on Facebook, advertising doesn't work on there. I mean, have you guys seen that to be the case or uh, kind of what's your situation?
0: Yeah, no, that, that's a great question. We've done a lot of testing there. So there's with Shopify, there's a few different kind of Facebook uh, apps where, you know, varying degrees, you can kind of repopulate, almost kind of copy your, your Shopify site onto your Facebook page and some that are more of... It's just kind of like a, a link. So if someone clicks shop, they click on a product, it just basically pops you over to our store. So yeah, what we currently have, uh, initially we had done something where people could more so shop on our Facebook page where they could see products added to a cart and they click checkout, it would just shoot it over to our, our checkout page. Kind of, kind of what we found, and I think what a lot of retailers found back uh, maybe a year, year and a half ago when everyone was like, oh, we got you know, you know, hey, let's just... Copy and paste our desktop experience on Facebook, right? And that's kind of a lot of what you saw. But pretty quickly found out that you know that's not the best way to handle things. And you know, very quickly, uh, you know, we figured out that hey, this really doesn't make sense for us. I think a good analogy is you know, it's it's kind of like showing up to you know a Christmas party, you know, with a bunch of friends, and I don't know, maybe you sell a Mary Kay or Tupperware on the side, and all of a sudden you just like break out into hey, like, take a look at my products, wanna buy this. Um, It's just, you're at a party hanging out, like, you know, chill out, right? This isn't the setting. For us, Facebook is certainly a new customer acquisition tool so new people are exposed to us, but it's not a kind of a push type thing. We really want to engage our customers and kind of have that conversation and in some ways more of a retention tool and, and a branding type thing and kind of really solidify that relationship. So it, it's more or less a, if someone's just hearing about us and they come through Facebook, they can see that shop page. Instead of clicking on you know, our domain name, kind of the description section, they can click you know, shop and then it pulls up and then just one more click and then it just pops them over to the website. And really we, you know, we want to focus on getting people to our, our website experience and kind of focusing our efforts on, you know, conversion testing and optimizing funnels over there and not have to duplicate those efforts on Facebook.
1: So it's basically like, a, Hey, you know, you're at our page, you know, here's what we sell by the way. If you click here, you can see our actual store,
0: right? Yeah, definitely. And I think you know, there's certainly a balance to that. I think you pull a little bit of research, you can see how kind of how companies balance that. And you know, I've seen people that go almost too far the other direction Um, You know, I've seen companies that primarily do create a lot of YouTube content. It's like difficult to find information about where they are. You're, You're just you're missing out there. Like, you know, it makes sense in the description section of most of your videos somewhere, you know, maybe not, you know, don't be ridiculous about it, but like have a link to your, you know, to your site. Like, hey, pull people over to that experience on the site. And it might not be, hey, click here to buy now type thing, but hey, you know, for more content or for, you know, a free report or you know whatever hop over here to the website and, and get people over there. There's definitely a balance there in figuring out you know, what's not too much, but I'm not a nonprofit creating valuable content for people. Like I gotta pay the bills too. And really people are looking for that value. And if you have something that's valuable to not make it easier for people to find that if they're interested, I think is a, is a disservice in the wrong way to go. Yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. And so and so, I remember on your, um, your website, you guys don't have much coffee, right? You guys have like a ticker on the bottom that says what people recently bought. Kind of some videos, and really that's it. So, do you find that the social proof is really driving all the copy on the website? or? Uh... Um, yeah,
0: no, I, I definitely think so. We, If you look kind of at, at our average uh, product listing, it's going to have, I don't remember offhand recently, but several hundred reviews. So, we kind of have an automated review system in place that, you know, X amount of days after someone purchases, there's an automated email that, so, you know, kind of says, hey, you know, help another person out, just let us know what you thought of this. Uh, I think we've tried to focus on not our messaging, but trying to capture the messaging of other people and then just displaying that in such a way for potential customers who are looking to purchase in a way that's just easy for them to access, understand, uh, and kind of curate the volume of that content. So um, we've definitely focused on you know, using social proof to kind of do the selling for us, whether that's product images, you know, people taking pictures of you know the, the products um, and kind of the rings they find in them, or it's the reviews. For us, we found really a more effective way to do things instead of us writing a few paragraphs of, you know, catchy content, not really focusing on those other channels.
1: It's funny because it's like when you go to Amazon, you immediately, the first thing you look at is how many stars it has, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and so you guys have a really strong Facebook following and I noticed on some of the posts where, you know, customers are kind of getting their orders delayed and some people are actually defending you guys. Saying like, hey, these guys are just a startup, you know, be nice to them. Yeah. I mean, what do you make out of that? Yeah, no, no, definitely. Um
0: I think I think it all ties ties into things. So I'll give you as an example, um, you know, our, our customer service team, you know, when they're talking to people and, and people have issues and, and we currently only only have um email support, so it's all done, you know, via email and text. So there's no uh you know, kind of option to be able to express emotions, you know, through through sound, right? Or it's not a face-to-face conversation. So a little bit of a kind of a rule of of thumb. And um, in many ways, you know, if there's not a smiley face emoticon in every email, like we're doing it wrong. Yeah, it is. It is. It, so it's extremely relaxed, personable. You know, if someone emails us, it's very, very, you know, we don't want to come off of this, this big corporate type thing. And, and, and we're not that, I mean, that's not who we are. Um, you know, we want to be accessible, um, easy to talk with and really a helpful friends. So, if, you know, if someone's got, maybe there's uh, you know an issue with something, uh, right. We want to be there, uh, be very accessible and say, hey, like, whatever it is. Like, we totally got your back. Like, we'll go above and beyond. Like, not a big deal. Right? Smiley face.
1: Especially in this day and age where, you know, any text you get, you know, without, like, the right emoticons or, you know, exclamation marks, it could be misread as something, you know, cold or hostile. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, you know, yeah, that, that's definitely been huge. So, if you check out Facebook or, or Twitter as well, I mean, you know, we're very, very much part of the conversation with, with everybody. So, pull up any major brand and, like, their Facebook page. Um, you know, or Twitter, you know, the vast majority of the time, you know, you'll see 20 or 30 people talking about that brand, oftentimes in a negative way, No responses for like a few days. And I think it's, it's a complete injustice And in the same way that, you know, in a retail store, you know, if I walk in there and I ask, you know, one of the employees something, you know, are they gonna take two days to get back to me? That doesn't make any sense. So we've really tried and said, you know, especially because we are the, the retail purchase point, you know, we really want to Within and, and we're increasingly, you know, working on this and figuring out kind of how to scale this and things like that. But you know, we want anywhere on the internet, so whether it's Facebook, Pinterest, uh, a blog mention, anywhere on the internet within 24 hours max. You know, so including like blogs or someone posted YouTube video. We want to know about that conversation and respond and just let those people, whether it's an issue we need to respond to or it's someone it's a positive thing and we just want to respond and say, hey, love that video. If we never be help, let us know. Or hey, you know. You're awesome. We want to be there in all those conversations. So we've really made that an effort. So, you know, tying that back in because of just this really, really large emphasis, I think, on kind of those touch points. Um, our customers see that and they just connect with that. And they're not used to brands doing that. So when they see someone, you know, who might come on a Facebook page here and there and uh, you know, maybe you know, someone's like, Hey, you know, you know, you guys are horrible, right? A lot of people come to our aid and say, like, no, like, you know, these guys these guys are so awesome. Like you have no idea. Like they will take you once you can kind of create those relationships and really focus on that. It's just going to be a natural, you know, byproduct. And in many ways, you know, it does our job for us. So you know, uh, you know, within literally like a few minutes, um, you know, our uh, our social media wizard here, um, uh, Josh Beatty, you know, he, he's often managing the Facebook page. You know, he doesn't have to uh, respond. You know, his people just, you know, they're there. They're answering. questions.
1: And it goes back to your kind of viral coefficient. Leverage point too, right? Where your community kind of helps you leverage this too. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. right. Yeah, interesting. All right. And so, do you guys just use Google Alerts for this, or kind of how do you get notified when you know a conversation is happening? on so many channels.
0: Yeah. No, and, and actually that that's something we're uh actually kind of working on now refining our systems for that. So, um that's very much in in the works with how, you know, how can we effectively manage those tools? I mean, there, uh, there there's some different tools out there for uh, Google Alerts uh, on steroids, you know, more for for brands and things like that that, you know, just with some basic Google searches, you can you know, kind of pick up some of those guys. So, first off, we need to be notified uh, of when that happens. Then we to funnel those to the right person or, you know, or through the right channels for one of our customer service people or our community managers to be able to, you know, intercept that in a timely fashion and we, we got to make sure that things are scalable there so we're responding in a, you know, a fairly decent kind of kind of return time and how can we kind of measure those things and just make sure we can set things up It's automated as possible so it's not a huge, you know, cost for us but we're aware of those things and, you know, we're, we're participating in those conversations so so really, to be honest, it, it's completely still in the works. Um, you know, we do, you know, on Facebook, you know, we're on top of that. We, we've kind of got that, and then you know, Twitter. We're you know doing a lot there. You know, some of the other channels, like you know, YouTube and and blogs and things like that, where conversations are happening right now, and you know, some, we'll see those. But you know, we want to get better. About saying thank you when someone does a review for us, and you know, letting them know, hey, if you ever need any help or anything, like just let us know, and just being there, and kind of just surprising people and going above and beyond there.
1: So this kind of ties into my last few questions. So, uh, you know, when you're starting out, you know, you were making candles, you know, in the kitchen on the pot. I mean, did you have any idea that the growth would be so fast two years from now?
0: Uh, def- definitely no. Things went way, way faster than we thought, and you know, kind of just this unique product idea really has turned into a brand. that is a lot bigger so definitely couldn't have planned for it and now that we're here um, it's an exciting thing because we know we're looking at okay what's what's the next steps and you know how can we continue to offer value to people and really to a higher degree you know kind of that sunshine in you know their cloudy week how can we offer a good quality product but do it in a fun and exciting way that just people aren't used to and continue that you know experience and you know uh, looking at hey how can we grow that whether you know, that's product line extension or deepening that excitement and kind of that that level of funds yeah and so when you look
1: back on the past few years was there one moment where there was like a really big break that you knew hey you know we've made it or is it kind of like a lot of small wins that snowball to where it is today
0: <laughs> yeah no, that's a great question um You know, I think uh, some of the milestones just off the top of my head um, back a little over a year ago, and we started doing some things with YouTube. We had had a a girl with a pretty large following on YouTube, um, you know, average video views, you know, in the quarter million range, um, who uh, normally oftentimes would charge for like video reviews and thing, uh, had actually reached out to us because she was seeing diamond candles everywhere and she knew everyone would just love to hear about it. Um, and she said, hey, send me a product, like I'm not gonna charge you anything. I have, you know, quarter million people that watch all my videos. Like." I think my audience is going to love this and you know when that video went up and we track you know we're sitting there just in anticipations, you know watching the traffic throughout the day and kind of that coming week it was just like you know how many visitors did we have to the site you know this is just this is huge and moments like that and then about a week and a half ago randomly um josh uh, my um one of my guys here my social media guy who handles a lot of things for us he uh, was able to make a connection with someone who kind of works in conjunction with the today show and they needed a, a last minute product that would fit kind of for this uh, segment for kind of uh, hey here you know here are great products to, to look at for gifts and, and so forth for the holidays and uh, you know last minute overnighting like next day am up to New York you know we had ten seconds of airtime on you know the morning show. Um, you know, on, the, on the today show and you know it was just you know and that was just here recently and just no pr budget that just kind of fell on our lap my word all the visitors we've had you know in the past two weeks you know google analytics you know almost broke it was exciting i mean we really do have something and you know it's only just going to continue to grow from here
1: nice all right. and so for anyone that's looking to start an online store what's you know one big lesson or advice you'd give them
0: two things i'd say I, The most important thing is kind of that product market fit, whether you're selling water bottles or makeup or the newest iPhone case, right? Is it different enough to where your target market would actually talk about it on their own? What's really the value proposition there and like testing that and getting a lot of feedback and figuring that out and kind of having that time where, hey, um, you know, it's okay to like, you know, to change things and be iterative with things. So if you put something out there and you're not getting, you know, reception, you know, talk to people in, in the market, not, not your friends or family, you know, get on Facebook, get on Twitter and like talk to people and figure out, Hey, why isn't this exciting enough for you? You know, and figure out how, like, how can you be different uh, on the product element of things? And, and once you can do that, then you have business and you can start to think, see things grow and then working on automating, you know, and optimizing business processes. You know, you're, you're you know, one man shop, you know, maybe you have a partner you're know, looking at you know growing you know, this thing on the side you probably have a full-time job your focus should be hundred percent on setting up scalable systems whether that's you know customer service or fulfillment you know the, the time it takes to do that The savings there will free you up to move on to the next areas of your business. And it's just slowly looking at what's the lowest hanging fruit, anything that's manual and repetitive, like you shouldn't be doing it. Like there's, there's systems there, or you need to set something up and and hand that activity off to someone else. So that product market fit, And then how can you remove yourself from the equation? So you can focus on growing the business, not picking and packing orders or, you know, managing manufacturing, or, you know, uh, even just basics and managing Shopify. If there's automated things that you need to do uh, that software doesn't cover Write out a list of of what needs to be done and, you know, find someone freelance to do that for you and set it up and automate it. So those are, I would say, probably the two most important things And not only getting a winner, but growing that to a level that's going to be sustainable to create a brand or at least something that uh, is sustainable enough to where you'll be able to pay yourself at the end of the day and and kind of live the, the lifestyle you want, whether it's growing a business or you know, living the four-hour work week, whatever it might be. So
1: how many businesses have you started before this? Because you sound like you've done this before, like a million times.
0: <laughs> you know, other than you know, just some freelance. This is the the first one. You know, I've been uh, really blessed to to work with a lot of cool businesses. Everything from local dentists and contractors to other e-commerce companies, and kind of help them through some of these things. Extremely common, you know, where you see the hey, I have an e-commerce site. I'm making a little bit every month, but you know, I'm kind of stuck, right? I'm working like seventy hours a week. I've seen that so many times and seen kind of the pain points there. So, you know, I've been able to, to work with a lot of people and kind of kind of help people through that. I think the biggest thing is, you know, for all this and for, for everyone here is how can, you know, you as rapidly as possible create that learning curve and learning from other people's mistakes, their, their triumphs and, you know, surrounding yourself with people in similar situations. So I've been, been thankful to have people in that circle and you continue to build out that circle. And that's, you know, just certainly helped us, you know, with, you know, with Diamond Candles and me and just, uh, you know, continuing to develop and grow things. Yeah,
1: awesome. And just another tangent question here. You mentioned, you know, a lot of people that are having their e-commerce stores, making a few hundred here and there. I mean, do you think their biggest problem is like their product isn't, like the value proposition is good enough, or what's like the
0: general trend you've seen? The, probably the, the two biggest problems is going to be kind of that product market fit and the value proposition uh, to start. Um, and I think kind of tied very closely with that is I see a lot of Shopify sites that that, and, and it's not Shopify's fault, but like people will just the, the product photos will be like super crappy, and it's just like this default theme, and you know there's no videos, there's no customer reviews. You know the template looks great because you know 99% of all Shopify's stock themes like they get you started off pretty well, you know day one. So you know, you, there's not nothing ugly on there, but from the branding element of it, you have just like this, you know, crappy Times New Roman like logo, and you know, there's no product photos, and it's just like stock stuff. That's part of your proposition. Like you know, do that well, doing that, having having the product market fit that clearly kind of shows, hey, this is why this is different, this is why this is valuable. Hey, look, everybody else is buying this, and everybody else loves this too. And hey, you know, the brand feels professional, not like something you started, you know, with a few hours a week every night, you know, while you're doing your your daytime job. It's kind of kind of faking it till you make it a little bit there, and then you know, from there. I think a lot of people going into things, they don't really think about distribution or or customer acquisition. So it's like, Hey, I can make this great product and have this great proposition, but, Where am I gonna get my customers from? Is it social? Okay, putting up a Facebook page is gonna do nothing for you. Facebook is a tool, but you have to give people a reason to use it. You have to do something that engages your audience. So, you know, a lot of people I see, it's just, even if they do have that better proposition, it's okay, you know, where do we go? Like, where where do people hang out? How are we gonna be relevant to people? Thinking through those issues in particular, especially if someone doesn't have as much of a marketing background, maybe they're more just a product person, or, you know, they're an inventor and they had an idea and they kind of put together a product. Um, I think looking at examples out there that are working that have you know, similar kind of features with target market, someone who's doing social well, someone who's doing maybe it's PPC well or, or, or whatnot, it's, it's looking at those, um, using those as case studies for yourself, you know, editing those things for your product, testing things um, on a small scale as possible. So it's not a large investment or something like that. And then once you find things that work, scaling those acquisition channels. So that's something I think a lot of people they don't really plan through. So I'd say those are, those are probably the two biggest things that I most commonly see. See what's working. Always be feeding yourself success stories and and looking at people and what they're doing uh, because then that just keeps keeps you creative uh, and keeps you hungry with things. Yeah,
1: you don't need to create the next big thing,
0: right? Yeah, I think you you can make the argument that actively looking for things to get inspiration from, you you don't have to make the next thing like five steps ahead of the game. It really just has to be one or two steps ahead of the game to really be different. You know, looking at four or five examples, bringing them together and doing something unique relative to the competitors in your industry. it, It might not be this huge world changing thing like relative to every product in every market, right? But for your market, like, you took three steps ahead of the competitors because you're doing social just so much better and people love that. You know, the the product is better, it's more engaging, it's more fun, the economics of things, you know, it's it's a better value. It's just, it's a lot of fun. It it gets very creative, more and more as, you know, the ubiquity of e-commerce platforms and the availability of being able to put out products. I think really the value creators and the winners will be the most creative people who can create the best solutions and the most fun, in many cases, uh, for their, their target markets
1: awesome awesome alright well I think that's it I mean we can certainly geek out about this like another hour you know another time so you know for anyone that wants to find you guys online uh, where can we find you
0: um, you can you can connect with me um, I have a, a personal website you can go to iamjustinwinter.com from there I have uh, links to uh, Twitter Facebook or an email etc so no, definitely feel free. Any questions or want to chat, um, you can feel free to connect with me there.
1: All right. And if you want to buy candles from you, where do we go?
0: <laughs> uh, diamondcandles.com. So diamondcandles, C-A-N-D-L-E-S dot com. To get more information about running an online store, visit our website at buildmyonlinestore.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Build My Online Store Podcast.